What is up, Bitcoiners? Welcome back to the show. Ansel Lindner, Bitcoin and Markets. This episode is going over the weekly fundamentals report. Last episode, I just put it out a couple hours ago. This one is covering the most recent week with all the SEC news. I thought it was valuable to see kind of how the SEC news sort of came out of nowhere, but overall how the price of Bitcoin, how this has evolved over the last couple weeks. Anyway, I thought it was interesting, so I hope you guys do too. Of course, you can catch these live every Monday. Just follow me on my feeds, YouTube, Rumble, Twitter, Telegram, and Twitch, and you can catch those live. All right. Hope you enjoy the show. See you on the flip side. Happy Monday. Thank you for joining me. Hope you guys are having a good day today. I have gotten out the weekly newsletter that is the Bitcoin Fundamentals Report. It's free. It goes out via Bitcoin and markets.com. So let's head right over there now and I will go through it this week. So each week I put out this report and I cover headlines, price, mining, and layer two developments. Of course, a lot of stuff this week is centered around Gary Gensler. It's centered around Coinbase and Binance. Don't really have too much new to add on that front. We're kind of waiting and seeing what goes on tomorrow, uh, which we'll cover there. Um, what else? That is all for the intro. Other than just check out BitcoinMarkets.com, become a member. You can support my work there. I try to live stream here three days a week. Plus, I do FedWatch with Bitcoin Magazine on Thursdays at 1230 Eastern. You can check that out on their YouTube channel under their live uh, live streams, or it's also on their podcast feed. Uh, and you can find all of the associated charts and stuff on my website. I make a post for those FedWatch episodes as well. But let's get into the report here. Issue number 245. Start with a meme and then get into the snapshot of Bitcoin. So we are in a slow sell-off. I wouldn't call this a crash. Uh, I've seen a lot of other analysts going over how bad the entire space is doing. You know, all the altcoins are crashing to new all-time lows, approaching that zero bound. And really, if you there, there was a chart that went around years ago, and it showed the Bitcoin chart, and then it showed where all the other altcoins launched, and they all like popped and then trended towards zero. There have been a couple altcoins that have made secondary all-time highs, like Ethereum, but they're very few and far between. I think there's probably only maybe two or three of them. Uh, all altcoins tend to towards zero, while Bitcoin continues to rise cycle after cycle. So anyway, that is we are in a slow sell-off while the altcoins might be dying, and I don't think they will die completely. I used to think they will go away completely. I mean, maybe this SEC action will actually regulate them out of existence. I don't know. But they're most likely there will be small-scale scams forever. And same with, like, the NFTs and stuff. I don't think NFTs will ever go away 100%. I do think there is some interesting uses of NFTs but in a centralized format. They don't need to be on a blockchain. They don't need to be decentralized. They can be very tiny value in-game tokens or something like that that depend on that central party. Uh, and somehow they, I mean, they might not be able to be uh, financial gain for that central party. You know, you'd have to go through all the regulations for that as well. But I do think there is some use for NFTs. Altcoins, that remains to be seen, probably not. Uh, there's probably is no use case actually for altcoins that cannot be built using the monetary unit that is Bitcoin because you can always do a side chain. You can always do a side chain, peg in Bitcoin, then the monetary unit is Bitcoin and you're not doing it for um, money printing reasons. You know, like the only reason why you wouldn't make it a side chain of Bitcoin or go the counterparty route and do, you know, do a second layer for Bitcoin for all these smart contracts and stuff is because you want to print the money. 
You want the unregistered securities aspect is part of your business model. So it probably will never go away, but they will sell off very close to zero. And Bitcoin is holding up pretty nicely. Now we'll go over that in the price section, but uh, overall Bitcoin is in a very slow sell-off holding up nicely while the altcoins crash. Okay. Media sentiment is, I moved it down to neutral again, not scientific. It was slightly positive last week, um, but this week I just moved it neutral because of this faulty idea out there comparing Bitcoin to crypto. I even read a bunch of stories where Bitcoin is starting to be in the headlines now of a lot of news articles, but then every single use in the article itself is crypto, 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 crypto. I read something about Bitcoin mining and in the body of the article, they use the word Bitcoin once and it was because it was in a sentence associated with the word risk i believe so and, and it's still we gotta cut the cord with bitcoin not crypto and then that media sentiment will actually be positive again i mean none of this has affected bitcoin's fundamental value bitcoin's uh you know value proposition Bitcoin's position in portfolios, what it should be for people. So all this is kind of a sideshow and it's all central, centralized or central uh, centered around the altcoin casino model that, like I said, was built off of non-compliance. It's exactly what Gary Gensler has said. The entire system of these altcoin casinos that Bitcoiners have warned about, Bitcoiners warned Coinbase not to go this way. Coinbase ended up fighting Bitcoin and the Bitcoin community and Bitcoin's decentralization multiple times. And Bitcoiners have said, don't go this way, Coinbase. And Bitcoiners have called these things altcoin casinos for years, ever going back to Poloniex or Cripsy. We have known these things are casinos and they're built off of non-compliance. Exactly like Gary Gensler said. And that time is over. Whether these specific cases happen or not, the SEC is going to make all of these things unregistered securities except for Bitcoin, which is a commodity. That is how it's going. Don't, people like these, these crypto bros, they have this uh, hype. They have this dream well, we'll get into that here on another story, actually. So let me just get through this table. So network traffic is still high, but coming down, we'll take a look at that. Mining industry is very strong right now. Weekly price down another $1,000 or 3.5%, roughly the same percentage decline as last week as well. Um, the market cap still holding on to that half a trillion mark. Man, that is interesting. It's just grabbing right onto that half a trillion. And Satoshi's per dollar, 38.74. One Finney is $2.58. Mining sector, still waiting on the next adjustment. Should be coming in the next day, plus 3%. We'll take a look at the chart for that. Mempool, 168 megabytes, slightly down on the week. Fees for the next block, sitting at, when I checked it, at 61 cents for the next block and for the median fee. Uh, you know, that's for the next, I think, three to six blocks. It's 58 cents. So that's pretty, pretty close, pretty stable. Lightning network capacity. The number of Bitcoins in the Lightning network increased by half a percent this week. But the channels declined down to 69,897, breaking that 70,000 channel mark. This has been very consistent. Both of these numbers have fluctuated for the Lightning Network. And I think that it's somewhat in a period where it's almost grown as much as it can for this cycle. There's gonna be some other leap, maybe this arc thing that I'm kind of getting more excited about now. Um, some of these new developments around layer twos are going to come in and make a lot of this stuff much more user-friendly, much more scalable. And that is kind of what the Lightning Network, I think, is waiting for. Something to come in and boost that up. All right. 
in case you missed it, uh, I did a bunch of live streams, didn't get any out on the podcast version this week, did do a Market Pro and of course, FedWatch, so check those out. Okay, Bitcoin headlines. Huge week ahead for Bitcoin and macro. Today is the deadline for Binance to respond to the restraining order. Tuesday, a U.S. court will make a preliminary ruling on freezing Binance funds. And the same day, U.S. CPI comes out. Wednesday, the FOMC announces their policy decision. Then on Thursday, it's the ECB's turn. So it's so much going on here in money and macro. Uh, Very big week. I probably will be live streaming tomorrow morning for the CPI drop. I haven't, um, you know, I haven't been live streaming on Tuesdays, but I think that is definitely worth it. So, um, you know, if you're around at eight o'clock in the morning, that's when those come out, 830 usually, and uh, I will be live streaming that. Okay. First headline is this video that I did share with Telegram, Joe Carlosari. Bitcoin, not he's a lawyer in the space. I don't think he would call himself a Bitcoin lawyer, lawyer, but he did a breakdown of the Coinbase and Binance stuff. Let me zoom in here a little bit, make this bigger. So uh, Joe is often a contrarian analyst like myself in Bitcoin. He has been kind of a little bit on the deflation bandwagon, but also on the... Um, like this isn't necessarily a recession, okay? He's the only other person that I know of that is somewhat attached to Bitcoin to the Bitcoin space that has been saying that this is not we aren't going to be entering a hard recession. So I have some some stuff in common here with Joe. But he did this interview with the Bitcoin layer. They talked about Binance and Coinbase. They have an emergency injunction that is Tuesday. Tomorrow is the big day that that is going to come out. This forces the judge to make a preliminary finding on the merits of the evidence. So it's kind of like a decision before a decision. And if they come out and they give this, you know, emergency injunction to freeze the assets of Binance, that gives you a really good idea of what the, uh, the eventual findings of the case or the eventual uh, result of the case will be as well because this is a preliminary finding on the merits of the evidence that has already been provided okay joe had comments on the come in and register thing that i have talked about multiple times in the last couple weeks Um, exchanges they're claiming they tried to come in and register but the sec did not let them um, the exchange and say the exchanges received no guidance on how to do that Joe agrees with my speculation here that the SEC did give them a route to register, basically drop everything but Bitcoin, and the exchanges refused because, as Gensler has put it, the industry is built on noncompliance, and that's just what I said. Um, Also, last week, I pointed this out from a, I think it was Cointelegraph article, or no, it was a Coindesk article where they interviewed this Gallagher from Robin Hood. He was like their chief legal advisor or something. And Gallagher said one of the regulators final sticking points for Robin Hood was the lack of registration and disclosures from issuers of tokens and that trade on the platform. Gallagher argued there is no way for his company to insist that outside issuers meet SEC demands. Of course, well, then you drop that trading pair. But they don't do that because their business is built on non-compliance. All right, Bitcoin dominance approaches 50% amid market shift. And remember, when you're talking about Bitcoin dominance, it is about the market cap, okay? The market cap of Bitcoin versus the market cap of everything else in on coin market cap, basically. I wanted to say crypto, but Bitcoin isn't in crypto. You know, it's everything that is falsely associated with Bitcoin and its market cap. I mean, market cap is a bad metric anyway. There has been attempts in the past to do a volume-weighted dominance index, but that still gives too much um, benefit of the doubt to these altcoins that these are actually legitimate. Because you can have an altcoin that trades like maybe only a couple coins 
trade a day and they trade at $1 a piece and there's a billion dollar uh, issuance. And so they say there's a billion dollar market cap, but that's crazy because if the founders dumped their coins, there would be no liquidity to, to, for the market to eat that up and it would go to zero, right? So all these market cap metrics are kind of crazy, but it's interesting to see that Bitcoin is now breaking out. And I did a little TA on this with an Adam and Eve bottom, like we've seen on the dollar recently, also took place on this Bitcoin dominance chart. All right, moving on. Binance US halts dollar deposits, Robinhood delists tokens after SEC crackdown. Binance US, the purportedly independent partner of Binance, said in a tweet on Thursday that his banking partners were preparing to stop dollar withdrawal channels as early as June 13th after the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission asked the court to freeze its assets. On Friday, Robinhood said it was removing three cryptocurrency tokens from its platform that the SEC identified as securities in its lawsuit against Binance. The SEC probably identified those as securities in their private talks. Like I just said up here about Gallagher going in and saying, well, they said that these tokens were not compliant. But we couldn't, we didn't want to unlist them. They knew these things. And so now they're coming back scared, you know, scared for their lives. And they're starting to delist these things. They just need to delist, delist everything but Bitcoin and probably Tether too. I think Tether would be not considered a security, but I could be wrong on that. All right. But that is kind of old news. We've covered that on this show and on FedWatch too. But I have to put it into the newsletter because it's everything that happened this week. Okay, now this is the story I was kind of getting into with um, Senator Cynthia Loomis is working on U.S. legislation in Congress to provide clarity. The crypto bros are claiming this is a possible rescue for the scam space. I don't think so, but we'll have to wait and see. At the Miami 2023 conference, Loomis was very much talking about Bitcoin as separate from crypto. And even in this tweet, she points out a win for Bitcoin and then used the term digital assets, not crypto. What are the other digital assets, Cynthia? So let me just read her tweet here. We successfully prevented POTUS's 30% Dame tax, that was the Bitcoin mining tax, uh, in included in the debt ceiling deal, but the fight is far from over. I'm working on regu a regulatory framework that will allow individuals and companies to own and trade digital assets in America. Stay tuned. It's not going to work. Okay. If this is a what the crypto bros are betting their life savings on, that they're, the Congress is actually going to somehow make their specific token not a security, that's very unlikely because these securities laws or regulations are very plain and clear. So the legislation would have to be plain and clear as well and say Ponzi schemes are okay if they're called digital assets. And that's not going to happen. So Cynthia Loomis, her efforts here, I mean, the crypto space of all the scams out there, crypto, not Bitcoin, are it, they're waiting for these regulators to come in and save them. How is that for a decentralized token? How is that for a, a robust distributed consensus? How is that for censorship resistance? It should blow up anybody's false narrative about that these things are decentralized, that these things are like Bitcoin. They are not like Bitcoin. Not at all. If I had to say, you know, what some of these are like, other than being scams, they, they could be like pink sheets. Pink sheet stocks, you know, the 
kind of the penny stocks. I would say that that is kind of what they are. They have a lot of pump and dump schemes. They have Ponzi aspects, pyramid scheme aspects, things of that nature. Uh, so these and and all of those pink sheet stocks are digital now, right? They trade on the OTC markets as digital securities. It's not like you buy into uh, XYZ garbage company pink sheet stock and they send you paper and you send them. Did uh, you send them physical cash and they send you physical stock certificates? No, it's all digital on their database, on the what whatever exchange is doing this, whatever broker is uh, selling this. That's on their database. Just like your Ethereum or your NFT or your uh, Solana is a digital security on someone's database. That's what these things are. So they, they should be regulated just like pink sheet stocks. So anyway, uh, let's continue here. Now down on the macro side of the headlines, we have the FOMC policy meeting on Wednesday. The consensus so far is that there's a 73% chance, at least this morning when I took this image, 73% chance that there is no hike and a 26% chance that there is a hike. That's the biggest pause percentage that I've seen on this, this close to a policy decision. And, you know, my whole thing is that the Fed will not disappoint. The Fed will not disappoint the market. There, there is a chance that they will surprise the market to the dovish side. But I don't think they'll surprise the market to the hawkish side. They will most likely do what the market is expecting. Because their main monetary policy is not the Fed funds rate. It's the signaling. It's the expectations and it's the change, expectation of the change. It's not expectation of the absolute value. Like really being at 5%, um, the, the absolute value doesn't matter all that much. I mean, there is some for like duration risk that we've, we have talked about with these banks and, uh, you know, having problems with their duration risk. But it's even come out that that wasn't the biggest problem. I mean, the biggest problem for these banks was simply deposits leaving for money market funds. So the absolute value doesn't really matter all that much. What matters is the change. And so they can talk about, oh, we are going to hike. We need four more hikes. Bostic will come out or Lale Brainerd will come out or somebody will come out, one of the governors and say, you know, we, we need to do more tightening, or I think we're good. We can stop tightening now. I think we should pause, you know, that type of headline though, going out there and massaging the headlines, massaging the expectations. I used to call this nudging, nudging the, um, expectations. That is their monetary policy. And if the market this close to the meeting is thinking that they're going to pause. I think they're going to pause. So what does that mean for the market in general? Well, it probably should boost stocks. It probably should boost Bitcoin. And just think like this is going to boost the U.S. economy because of the psychological impacts, not because of the actual tightening or the stopping of the tightening. But um Compare that to Europe, compare that to China that we've been talking about a lot recently. So the U.S. is in this position where they're going to start the old saying about um, the, the milkshake theory, you know, the dollar milkshake theory. Stick your straw into their liquidity and suck all their liquidity out. I can totally see that happening. So really, if this happens, if we pause here, contrary to what most people think, okay, Contrary to what 
the really smart inflationistas say <laughs> they by pausing the rate hikes will actually have a dollar positive impact because it will suck liquidity into dollar denominated assets money will flee from the recession that's happening in Europe they have a app you know a an official recession now where the US is pausing their rate hikes now with decent stock market chart you know decent economic activity real economic activity i should say and china is struggling so all all of that money is going to be coming into the united states into dollar denominated assets and the dollar should strengthen so that is why we can have um stocks going up while the dollar is going up and bitcoin going up too bitcoin and bonds should all these things should rally. And this meeting, this Fed, Federal Reserve, uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting could be the turning point that this is where the dollar really strengthens. This is where stocks and Bitcoin really get a boost again. Um, so anyway, very interesting. I'll be, of course, watching this and reporting on it here on Bitcoin and Markets. CPI comes out tomorrow. And the official Cleveland Fed now cast has it estimated at 0.19% or pretty much 0.2%, which is the consensus of, you know, the average of the big banks, the average of all of these type of forecasting firms out there are forecasting 0.2%. And that will bring the year over year number down to 4.1 from 4.9. It was last month. Very interesting. Now, I wanted to show this chart. So this is the month over month. And actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to copy. And put that over into Telegram just so you guys can see that. It is, of course, on the the newsletter this week. But what you can see here is this is um, the consumer price index for all urban consumers. So this is the general main headline number for CPI. It's not core. It's just the plain vanilla headline number. Month over month, though, that is important because you can see the complete change in character. And if you guys were listening to my content, I was talking about this exactly when this happened. You know, when we saw July come down here at the bottom, uh, July last year, when it actually tipped negative from being up at over 1% per month, I said that was the brick wall that we hit on CPI. That was the turning point that happened June, July of 2022. So now the year on year number, which is what the Fed for some reason targets you know they have this idea of two percent year over year why not two percent quarter over quarter or two percent uh, half year over half year or 18 months over 18 months it's just kind of a relatively arbitrary picking of year over year but anyway they have a year over year target of two percent and what how they get that is you add up the previous 12 months, the previous 12 readings that a lot of people don't understand that, that a lot of people think that the month over month is the derivative of the year over year, but it's, it's not okay. It's not the way actually the way they do it is uh, they have a large number. So it's, I don't know if it's 300, let's say it's like 320.852698. And then the next month is 325.2987. The difference there is the month over month change. And then you take that and you look at the year over year, the last 12 months, you go back 12 months, you look at that and then you compare it. But anyway, um, as you can see here uh, on the far right, I put where it would be if it falls down to that 0.2% in May. And then the arrow pointing to May, 
that's the one that's being replaced. So that the one being replaced is 0.92%. And next month, June is being replaced at 1.2, basically 1.2% month over month is going to be replaced by maybe a zero. We'll have to see what the CPI is for, for June, but it could be a zero, it could be a 0.1, but it's going to be replacing a 1.2% month over month. That's going to cause the year over year number to collapse next month. It's already going to collapse this month, 4.9 to 4.1. That's, you know, 0.8%. And next month, it could be 1%. We could get under 3% next month. We could be in the 2% range, which is the target, right? Well, not, I mean, 2% flat is the target, but it's still getting under that three is going to be a huge signal. So anyway, if I'm looking at this, like, does the Fed keep doing another hike until these two things fall off and they, they can then claim victory? Maybe, maybe they do that. But this is as baked in the cake as you can get. The highest CPIs are going to be falling off in the next two months. And CPI is going to fall through the floor. And I'm still expecting some zero uh, or some negative prints in the second half of the year. I thought we would have one already, but I, I think that we'll have at least one in the second half of the year, maybe two negative month over month prints. And that's going to cause that CPI to crash dramatically. So, all right, that is my overview of CPI coming up tomorrow. Let's take a look at price. This is the Bitcoin price daily chart. Didn't hold on the 128 day. That was one that we've been watching in the last couple of weeks, but uh, it's holding up above this 25,000 for now. The 200 day moving average is coming up uh, at 23,000, basically 600, 23,600 and approaching that 25,000 as a backstop. So we could see a dip here. Let's see. What do I write about this? I say, it's been a horrible week for Bitcoin sector news. Remember, this is Bitcoin, not crypto. The news was not bad for Bitcoin other than by faulty association. All this can focus energy on Bitcoin with the halving coming and the SEC finally exposing fake substitutes for Bitcoin. That being said, as the largest exchange in the world and the largest U.S. exchange are both sued by the SEC and are in a fight for their lives, Bitcoin doesn't seem to care. It is still holding up nicely though odds are sliding more bearish. Price has broken the 128 day after being rejected by the 50 day, staying slightly above the $25,000 uh, mark. I put market mark, touching 25,350. The 200 day still is providing some hope as well as the horizontal support at 25,000. Despite the incredible selling in all coins and the exchanges having issues, it seems Bitcoin holders are not worried. I don't know why anyone would sell their coins here, not uh, only to buy them back in a few weeks when things have blown over. Therefore, I repeat the mantra I've been using the last couple of weeks. I don't see where the selling is going to come from, especially if this last week hasn't caused much of any. Probabilities have changed. True. There is an increased risk of more downside price action, but not sustained price drops. Fakeouts could occur around uh 25,000. For instance, the price could drop to 24,750 a couple hours and rally right back to the 28,000 level. All right. If stocks are any correlation to Bitcoin, we have seen stocks continue their big rally. That, that was a bad sentence. The FOMC this week is leaning toward a pause, which should psychologically bolster this stock market rally. And just look at this, guys. This I was talking about it back here, back in April, March, April, and starting in demand. Like, this is not what a bear market looks like. And it's gone another 10%. All right. Uh, what else we have? This is not a question of inflation at this point. It is a question of where will money flow in deflationary pressure. 
So the inflation dragon narrative fear mongering is over. The question we need to ask ourselves now is where will money flow in the deflationary pressure that's coming? That's already here. Bitcoin wins on the normie understanding of inflation and the actual influence of deflation. Plus, the halving is coming and all SEC actions should solidify in people's minds that Bitcoin is the only safe, reasonable bet in this space. All right. So pretty bullish there on the price. Mining headlines. Bhutan puts Bitcoin mining plan in motion to power up economy. The country has teamed up with NASDAQ. Uh, listed BitDeer Technologies based in Singapore to develop a, a 600 megawatt mining farm for Bitcoin, the leading cryptocurrency. So Bitcoin, the leading cryptocurrency. Uh, I mean, see in this headline, this is a direct headline. Bhutan puts Bitcoin mining plan in motion, but they're mining the leading cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. Oh my God. It's just so frustrating that these people, I, I'm maybe it's because they're so miseducated or yeah, it, it would be miseducation that because these, you should know this by now. And what, what was this coming from? This was coming from a, oh, this has come from Nikkei. So Nikkei.com. So it's not a necessarily a uh, crypto or Bitcoin news outlet, but they should know this. All right. The, it's Bitcoin. Just say Bitcoin. People know what Bitcoin is. You don't have to say a leading cryptocurrency. Why do you have to say that? Because you're an idiot. BitDeer was due to establish a closed end fund at the end of May aimed at raising 500 million for international investors for the project. A high-level source close to the project confirmed that the raising drive indeed began as planned. Okay, so it's on schedule. Continuing here. We are excited to be working alongside DHI in assessing Bhutan's zero emissions power to sustainably enable the blockchain technologies that will eventually form an immutable bedrock for a global store of value, said Jihan Wu, where have we heard that name before? Jihan Wu, emphasis added here is that he was the CEO of what were they called? Ant Miner that attacked Bitcoin with against the user activated software, you know, with Bitcoin XT, with Bitcoin Cash, with all this stuff, Bcash. Jihan Wu was behind a lot of that, and now he's here back still mining. With BitDeer, interesting, chairman of the BitDeer Technologies Group in a media release earlier in May. Mining operations accounted for the accounting for the first 100 megawatts are expected to begin this September before reaching 600 megawatts in the next three years. Power will be sold to the operator at a negotiated rate. Very interesting. This isn't really new, but it was an update on the progress. A lot of people were wondering what was happening with that, so... That is an update. I mean, if you read through this story, they use crypto, 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 crypto. It's it's insane. I, I don't understand why people feel the need to use that term. What's going on behind the scenes of June's massive miner outflow? And this was an article from Crypto Slate. Note the recent spikes in miner selling have all occurred at bottoms, perhaps as a causative factor. If so, the selling has likely made another local peak. So let's take a look at this chart here. And you can see the spikes are when there is more coins per day coming out. So this is about 800 in this line. So these last three spikes going back to looks like about December. They have all kind of happened at local bottoms of the price now were these causative factors maybe i mean this is 800 a thousand bitcoins coming on the exchanges for a day or two and in the recent case it looks to be like about a week worth of thousands of bitcoins coming on from miners 
So that could be a reason why there was no ability to, um, you know, break out. Like if we look here very closely, I wish I could zoom in a little bit more. Let me see how that's coming through. But you can kind of see right there on the very far right. Let me zoom in again. Very far right. That was that peak. And then the selling comes in. So let's go to the chart. So that is, let me take this off. So what we're looking at here is this peak. And this is where the selling from the miners comes in. This almost broke out, if you remember that. We, we were bouncing off of these EMAs. Let me bring this to 128 day up. So we are bouncing on this 128 day, making this breakout, hitting the 50 day moving average, rejected, and then the mining minor selling came in. Let's go back and take a look now at this chart. And you can see that selling came in right after that peak the next day, it looks like. Unless these are, are these weekly, are these weekly spikes? Doesn't say, but these are probably daily little spikes. And you can see that came in right after that local peak and the price has kind of sold off since. So that's very interesting. Kind of explains why that breakout failed. Anyway. All right, let's move on here. So if this is a local peak, then probably won't continue selling. So that'll be even less Bitcoin to, you know, push that price down. Difficulty in hash rate. So you can see the hash rate has kind of exploded in the last, let's see, since how many days is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, pretty much the last week. The hash rate has exploded back to the upside on the last report. So last Monday, it was estimated to be a 1% decline in difficulty. Now it's estimated to be a 3% uh, increase in difficulty tomorrow. So that was a quick turnaround. Very interesting going on there with the hash rate. And of course, I say that these guys, miners, they know the deep fundamentals of the space. Remember, they talk to investors. They they know Bitcoin. They know the supply and demand on the exchanges. They know the, the futures markets. They know the politicians. They know the power companies. They know everything. They're deeply, the, they have the deepest fundamental view of this space. And if they're adding hash rate like this right before a difficulty adjustment, they're bullish. They are bullish. Because you would expect their, them to decrease hash rate to kind of game the system a little bit. Like we don't want to add it right now because there's going to be a difficulty adjustment. We want to wait for three days and then turn it on. At, but they're not doing this. So they're putting it on right now. So very interesting. Mempool. Bring this image up. Has been selling off. Chewed through all of these green bands. So these bands are colored by a fee zone. I think maybe like five Satoshis per virtual byte or something like that. You see we chewed all the way through the green area. And then just in the last couple days, more of the cheapest transactions have come on. That's been the biggest driver. But there has been a few other transactions coming into the mempool. So it's fine. But the Everything's working as designed in Bitcoin for the mempool came down this week from 180 down to 168 megabytes. And I assume that will continue to drop. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw under hundred megabytes in the next week or two. Okay. Uh, Lightning network, Bitcoin and nothing else. Why former PayPal meta executive David Marcus is building the light on the lightning network. So this is this David Marcus 
I don't know too much about him, to be honest with you, other than what they wrote about in this article. And I've seen him around, you know, but uh, he's the founder of LightSpark, which is a Bitcoin service provider. Let's read a little bit of this. So we've built the unshakable conviction at this point that the only blockchain and the only underlying assets that can support a truly open protocol for payments on the internet is Bitcoin and nothing else. Okay. Bitcoin is not a blockchain. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? He's a PayPal meta executive that did DM the Libra project there, uh, trying to do a CBDC. <laughs> well, not CBDC, but a, uh, what would it be? A corporate digital currency. I don't know. CDC, that's a bad acronym, but who is this guy? The only blockchain? What? Bitcoin is not a blockchain. A blockchain, I'm just going to rant here for a second. A blockchain is the inevitable byproduct of a distributed consensus. It is a byproduct. Just like human waste. (laughs) Uh, It's the inevitable byproduct of putting value and putting uh, activity and, you know, subjective value in one side of the consensus. On the outside, on the backside, you get a blockchain. It is the inevitable byproduct of a distributed consensus. Bitcoin is not a blockchain. A blockchain is the result of Bitcoin's distributed consensus. All right. Blah, blah, blah. Enough on that. Underlying assets. And then he uses a single one, Bitcoin, underlying assets. Okay. I'm I'm being nitpicky here, but it is a guy from Meta, right? Lightning still has issues, but I feel very confident that we're in a position to address these issues, he said. You'll see that for companies to integrate on Lightning using LightSpark services, you don't even need to worry about channels. (laughs) You don't need to worry about liquidity. You don't need to worry about channel replacing and distributing liquidity. You don't need to worry about what routes you're going to use and which minimum fee or maximum fee you're going to set. All that complexity is being completely taken away from the equation of a company deciding whether you're going to implement lightning for their customers or not. All right. Very good. I guess it's a centralized thing and we'll see if there's demand for it, but I have talked about in the past, there's not a ton of demand for lightning right now. There probably is at its peak for this cycle. We'll have to wait to see what happens next cycle, how arc gets built out. Uh, That's our next topic here. This is a video that I did share with Telegram, video with Barack and Robin explaining art, uh, ARC. And so the more I learn about ARC, the more I like it. And I don't know if this will be the master solution to scale Bitcoin to billions of daily users. But it is an example of Bitcoin being programmable money. If there is demand, smart people like these will be able to find a solution. So programmable money. Just think about all the layer two stuff that we've seen over the last just five or six years. Five or six years. We've seen liquid. We've seen lightning. We've seen fediments. We've seen arc. I know I'm missing stuff. I mean, a ton of developments on lightning. Um, ordinals, right? (laughs) Inscriptions. We've seen all this innovation and that's, I mean, even just going the last four years, how much innovation have we seen? It's incredible people. Now go the next four years. We have a bigger community. You know, eight years ago, the Bitcoin community was a 10th the size. Now, the innovation is going to speed up because we're growing. Not just the value accrual is going to speed up, but the entire like size and scope and speed of this entire movement is going to 
is going to accelerate. You have more people coming up with more ideas. You have more money available to fund those ideas. You have more people willing to spend their Bitcoin at higher valuations. So you have more circulating money. You know, like if you go back 10 years, maybe there's more absolute number of Bitcoins circulating, like as a percentage of the total supply or something, um, circulating on the Bitcoin network. So 80% of the supply was turning over every day or every month or whatever. Now it's only 10% say, but that value is so much higher. Now, if you go 10 years in the future, you might only have maybe five, seven percent of the entire or the, the entire number of Bitcoins, so percentage of total Bitcoins circulating on a daily basis or something. But that value is going to be a trillion dollars or two or five trillion dollars circulating every day. And that's only five, seven percent of the total supply. So it's going to continue to grow. You have more people coming up with more ideas, more investment, more spending, more demand. And this arc and this these layer twos, I don't know what the solution is going to be other than that process. That process is the solution. And that's it for this week, guys. That is it for this newsletter. Thank you very much, Ansel Linder, Bitcoin and Markets. Check out BitcoinandMarkets.com. Sign up for the free newsletter. Join me here, wherever you're watching this. Telegram, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, any of those places. Subscribe, like, follow, comment down below on YouTube and Rumble. I appreciate that. I'm trying to build up those numbers over there. So thank you. Thank you guys for joining me. Have a good rest of your day. Have a good start to your week. And I'll see you on the next one. Bye.